This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Barry and with me today is Tim Parrish and Clemente Lisi. We're going to talk about a potpourri of topics about hockey and hockey collecting. But first, we want to get into some sad news. Our friend and fellow podcaster, Jeff Baker, passed away recently at the age of 58. Jeff had a podcast called the TTM Cast, which Clemente was a regular contributor for, regular co-host of. So, uh, Clemente, I'm going to you know, let you talk about uh, Jeff first, because you probably knew him the best out of the three of us. Yeah, no, Jeff was a great guy. And uh, I met him about um, about a year and a half ago. Um, I was promoting my soccer book and I was just reaching out to different outlets and different people I used to listen to and listen to. And I emailed him and said, hey, I love your show. Uh, I had only been listening for a few months. I know the show has been on for like six years. And uh, I said, hey, I'd love to be on your show, talk about my book, you know, talk about soccer cards and the hobby and all that. And he was like, yeah, sure, send me a copy of your book and I'll have you on. And I was on, I think it was in July of uh, 2022. And then he had me on every month through the fall until the World Cup a year ago. And then after that, he was like, look, I love having you on the show. I'll just make you like a regular contributor. We can talk whatever you want. And mostly it was hockey at that point. So I was looking forward to every month talking to him. You know, because we would talk, you know, like this show, we would spend like half an hour before the show. Sometimes in the middle of that, we'd say, hey, we should just record this. You know, it's so good. And so we would spend time ahead of time and talk afterwards. And I really looked forward to doing it every month. And then at the National, we really hung out a lot together. I met him at, in person in Atlantic City. And then last summer in Chicago, this past summer, uh, he was there for a couple of days. And we hung out. I had dinner with him and his wife, Paula, one night. The first night I was there. And, you know, I have a lot of good memories, and I'm, I'm really, really happy that I was able to spend some time with him there. The last couple of days have been tough. I knew he was sick uh, since Thanksgiving, right before Thanksgiving, when he passed away so, uh, Saturday night. Um, so I want to offer my condolences to his wife, Paul, his kids. Um, you know, when someone dies, everyone says, oh, he was a nice guy, right? Everyone says that. In Jeff's case, it was really true. He really cared about other people. He cared about the hobby. He cared about collectors you know he championed my writing he was supportive and, you know it's it's you know they call it a hobby family and it, it really is in some ways you know you get to know people because you had that shared common interest that's a shame at 58 years old is still young i met jeff back in the 21 i think i met him i can't remember now i know i was i was on his podcast two times he wanted to talk to me about Hockey Autograph Collecting, TTM, for those who don't know, stands for Through the Mail. It refers to collecting autographs when you write to a former or current player through the mail. You send them your cards and, you know, self-addressed stamped envelope. And, uh, you know, you write them a fan letter. You get your cards back, signed that way. So, you know, I, I shared some of my stories. I was on his show two times, and I think I met him in person two times. So I won't say I was, like, really close. But, you know, the thing that impressed me about Jeff is that when I was on his show, he always had really good questions. He was very good at interviewing, very good at asking questions, listening, asking great follow-up questions, very like professional, very polished. And then I was just like super impressed, like how prolific 
he was at putting out his podcast, like one or two episodes a week. I mean, I would talk to him and then he'd be like, okay, this will, this interview will be up in two weeks. I'm like, oh, (laughs) usually when I record something, it's going up like the next day, but he was just like so far ahead in his planning that he'd be like, all right, well, this will be out in two weeks. Thanks for talking. And, And so I was always impressed by like how disciplined he was with how far ahead he would plan things and map things out. And so you know that and then he was always willing to like give me um advice on podcasting or like get me in touch with other people who he thought could maybe help me out in some way so you know that's really generous they say you could tell how somebody is how they treat you if they have nothing to gain from you and he really had nothing to gain from you know what me coming on the show for half an hour and talking about hockey autographs you know what i mean like but he was so willing to like go out of his way and help me. And so I'm really grateful about that, even though, like I said, my interactions with Jeff were fairly limited. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, we were at the expo recently. You heard me say, maybe you don't remember, Sal, but I was like picking out comments for him that I mailed to him because he liked to send them through the mail and you can't get the OPG comments that he wanted. So I would pick up a few for him and then. I sent him a couple of Tim Hortons packs. He got them and we talked about it. And he was really happy. So we would mail stuff to each other all the time too. And that was nice. He sent me actually oh, about a month ago, he sent me the poster he got. He went to the Bruins uh, Blackhawks game and he saw the Dart's first goal. And he sent me the poster from that night, which was like all these Bruins on it. But in the back was basically the scorecard because they don't give out programs anymore or ticket stubs or anything. So he kept telling me that's like the only thing from Bedard's first goal game you know, and his, his wife was able to get like 10 extra posters and she's, they sent them to a couple of their friends and I was on wow. the list and I, and I got one. I still have it, of course, you know, and it's and stuff like that was, you know, this mailing of back and forth, this constant talking and texting. And, you know, I mean, he was a huge sports fan, but he was TTMing since he was a child, basically, like a grade school. And he mm-hmm. never really stopped, he said. He stopped at some point, he, he remember telling me, and then he he still bought cards. And then he realized I have a hundred thousand cards. What am I going to do with these cards? He goes, I'm just going to start mailing them out and get autographs. And that's what he was doing. So he had an extensive collection and he was a big, obviously a big Bruins, Red Sox, you know, Patriots. That was his, his area, his geographic area, but no, a great person and someone will miss. And, you know, I said to him at the end of national last year, this year, I'm sorry. I said, Oh, you know, the national isn't the same without you because we spent like two hours at one of these boxes where they had like just quarter cards and we were there just for hours and hours just talking. And every time we pick up a player, you're like, Oh, remember this guy? And then there was a story behind it, you know, cause he had 10 years on me. So he, he had more of a memory from the seventies and early eighties than I did. So it was a lot of fun. That's some great memories. Is it his daughter that was going to do like one more show, like a tribute show? Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, that's in yeah. the works. So I don't know what that looks like, but have they yeah, talked to you nice. about it? About being on? Yeah, no, not yet. But okay. I, I, I foresee that I think people will be on, including his co-host Drew Pelto, who I know is a big fan of this podcast and a big hockey collector as well. I know you guys met him, I think, through the Expo, the virtual, um, a couple of years ago, um, and I've met him in person. And I actually spoke to him this past weekend after we heard the news. Um, so, yeah, no, I think there'll be a special tribute because, you know, like, as you know, with podcasting, it's appointment listening for people. People tune in. And then that's how I found out something was wrong when I just 
didn't see any new episodes over Thanksgiving. And I thought that's really weird because like Pal Sal said, he's so, it was so diligent and he didn't say he was taking the week off or anything. Well, he did have that poster. He said he was dealing with some health issues. Right. Right. But then we got up up this. Yeah. I didn't listen to all. I I would listen when you were on, to be honest. Okay. I appreciate (laughs) that. And I, like, I didn't follow that much, but from what I took, most of the stuff that he would post, at least on, on Twitter or X or whatever the hell we're calling it right now, it was never any like personal type stuff like that. It was always about the show or about, you know, what's going on. The returns. Yeah. 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 So when I saw that, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. When I heard the news, I was like, wow, that was kind of shocking because he, like we started off saying, he was not very old. Right. Moving on then, the last episode that we recorded, we actually recorded it the day before Thanksgiving, but it went up a couple days after Thanksgiving just because, you know, we get busy with other stuff and, uh, you know, with with Thanksgiving, obviously, that, that holiday But I just wanted to talk really quick about how the NHL has all those games on the Friday after Thanksgiving, and that's become like the day that I look forward to in the season. It's just like the perfect storm for me because, A, I don't have to work because I'm a teacher, so I never have class that day. So, A, I don't have to work. B, there's like nonstop hockey on from noon until midnight. And C, I usually have leftovers, so I don't even have to cook. You know, so for me, it's just like the perfect day where I'm like, I'm gonna do as little as possible and watch hockey and eat and watch hockey. You know, there were 15 games that day, so 30 teams playing. And I feel like this needs to really be the day that the NHL owns. You know, like we think of like what on uh, Christmas day, it's always the NBA, right? They have their, their games, right? And on January one, even though we have our winter classic that we all love and we have other hockey games as well, that's like college bowl day, right? So I like that day. And I remember like NBC, when they would do the hockey games, uh, they would always call it like their, their black Friday grudge match. Like, you know, Flyers versus Penguins or Rangers versus Devils, the Friday grudge match or whatever, or like two teams that you could just really get excited about, like the Bruins and the Rangers or the, you know, the Red Wings and the Penguins or whatever. So, yeah, I just want to just say how much I like that. <laughs> no, Not- I agree. I agree. But, I, you know, with the NFL trying to put games on a Friday now, I don't know that the NHL can claim that day. I mean, I do think that there are days, you know, like maybe President's Day or some other days where the NHL couldn't claim it. But I agree with you that that sort of leftovers Friday is kind of nice because most people aren't working and doing anything. But I can see how the NFL wants to take over that day as well over the break because the ratings are so high for football, right? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that Tim was watching football, right? Wait, wait, wait. Doesn't the NFL have a bunch of games on Thursday, though? On they Thanksgiving do. Thursday? Oh, they do that too, Thanksgiving yeah. Day, they have three. Usually. So th- 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 they got enough. I'm tired of the NFL. The NFL's like, well, maybe we'll put a game on, on Tuesday. You know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll, you know, maybe we'll just do a game during the Stanley Cup finals just because, well, we know it's May, but, you know, we'll just do it anyways just because we can, right? I'm tired of the NFL, like, you know, ooh, maybe we'll put games on Wednesdays. Well, 
if you have that much money, you can basically do what you want. I know, but there's a point where, like, the other leagues have to just say, well, we're going to play games too, you know? Like, we're going to play games even though, like, I can understand maybe not putting an NHL game against Super Bowl Sunday, like Sunday night. I get it. That would be kind of dumb. But, like, all the other times I think are pretty much fair game. Well, there was always a long-running rule that said that the NFL wouldn't play on Saturdays because Saturdays were for college football. And that kind of got thrown out the window in after the 70s and into the 80s where they would pop up now and again towards the end of the season. They would have Saturday games. And they would try to do them in conjunction with weeks after the championship games and before the bowl games. So that way there wasn't college football going on. But the fact that we've always had Sunday and Monday night football, and then they added Thursdays, and then later in the season we have Saturdays also, there's a lot of football. So as far as hockey goes, I mean, look, we all know how difficult it's been for people and fans over the years to watch hockey games on regular TV. Depending on what market you're in, you could have gotten hosed out of generations of watching players play. Um, and I'm looking at you, Chicago. But there are some markets that had their local games on. But then in recent years, you have all these battles with the telecom companies, like dumping subscriber packages and jacking up sports packages to where cable companies and everything drop them. And so you lose you lose out that way. So it's hard. You know, you have arguably from a viewing standpoint the fourth most inferior sport the best sport to watch but from a viewing standpoint there's no denying that it's the inferior one of of all the major north american sports and you know they're constantly competing with everything else there could be a game on every single day of the week but it might not be broadcast and now that ESPN has gotten the license back to broadcast games, I mean, look, they'll put, what, two a week, maybe three on the regular networks. Everything else is buried on ESPN Plus, which is behind a paywall and for subscribers. So if it's not a TNT game or on NHL Network, which isn't available on every package that people have, I mean, unless you're paying for center ice, that's your only option to watch all of this stuff. Well, so. we don't have center ice anymore. It's not an option, at least as far as I know. Uh, Xfinity, who is what I have, they have a center. They have the center ice package. Okay, then I stand corrected. So I'm I'm sorry. I but I wouldn't. To... That's the thing, though. I wouldn't pay for the center ice package when I'm already getting ESPN Plus as part of the Disney package, and they have probably 80% of the games that are on center ice are on ESPN plus. Right. But I'd rather so. watch the center ice broadcast for a couple of reasons. And actually I got a rant that I've been holding back that I, I just need to unleash, but I can catch my breath first. If you got something you want to say. No, no, go ahead. Okay. So I'm so frustrated with the NHL and all these different things that I need I to subscribe to, to watch their games. So First, okay, okay, I need TNT and ESPN. Okay, those are on all basic cable packages. That's fine. So I'm good there. Now, in order to watch Blackhawk games, I needed to up my package. I'm now using DirecTV because I got tired of Xfinity because they're just way overpriced, at least in Chicago they are. So 
the $60 subscription package gets me basic. But then if I want the Blackhawks, well, then I need to go to the, the next tier, which costs $25 more. And it gives me a bunch of channels, but really the only channel I want is the NBC Sports Chicago. And they basically say, if you want a regional sports package, you need to subscribe to that second tier plan. So the 60 bucks a month is now 85 bucks a month. Now, I need ESPN Plus or Center Ice to watch the rest of those games. But even if I, when I had Center Ice, that did not give me NHL Network. And now what I'm running into is the problem that there's a lot of games that I want to watch that are on NHL Network. Like I've I've tried to watch like the past two Rangers games and they've been on NHL Network. And it is so frustrating because if I wanted NHL Network, then I'd have to go from the $85 a month subscription plan to like, I think, $100 a month. And really all I want is the NHL Network. Now, I was always frustrated that the NHL Network, it's literally called the NHL Network, is not a part of Center Ice. And it should be. Or I should be able to pay five bucks a month and get it. Because when I had that channel, that was like my CNN. I would just turn it on in the background and do other stuff. That was my background noise throughout the day was, you know, uh, NHL Network. So I'm just really annoyed that, like, I still can't watch all of the games unless I subscribe to another thing. And I'm just tired of this because now I would be paying over a hundred and something dollars a month just for the rights to watch all the games or any of the games that I want. And it's just, it's stupid. It's, it's too fragmented. Well, look, rant over. <laughs> well, we know, we, look, we know the audience, we know that's fragmented because people, I mean, you guys, you, I don't even have cable TV anymore. So so what you do is then you have to like you have to pay for ESPN Plus and for all this other stuff. Like you pay for Hulu and Amazon, all this other stuff, and you end up paying way more than you ever did for cable, right? That was, yeah. That's that's the dirty secret of all the streaming services is that it. it oh, it's it, not a secret. Right. Well, I'm saying, but early <laughs> on, everyone thought, oh, well, cable's overpriced, and this is going to open a whole new thing. When they were when it was just Amazon, and Netflix, it was okay. But then there's 27 other ones like Paramount Plus and Disney and ESPN, look, ESPN Plus is great if you want to watch like a like a like an NCAA Division One volleyball game because no one's showing that. So it's great that ESPN Plus has that. But the fact that they dumped and now all these other secondary NHL games and all this other stuff, I don't know. It's not ideal. And I feel like as hockey fans, we could all be tuning into our TVs one night and we could all be texting each other and some of us will say, well, I, I don't get that game. I, I'm not watching it. Like I can't watch it. So there isn't that collective kind of feeling when, when a great play happens or a great goal or something like that. Not every hockey fan's watching it because you can't get it or you have to pay through the nose to get all this stuff. And it's a little crazy. And I don't know. I mean, ideally the NHL would make a deal with one network like ESPN Though I, I, I never love their coverage or Peacock, NBC or whatever. And then everything is available in one place. And then you can pay for that streaming service and watch it like you would pay for European soccer or some other stuff where you, you go to one place. But unless the league does that at some point, I don't know when these contracts expire. Yeah, which, well, in this universe yeah. of just fragmented stuff. Yeah, the moment that they make it easy for us to watch is the same moment that they'll introduce their next NFT. 
I don't know why the NHL network just doesn't freaking give away. Just give it to the, make it the part of the most basic cable packages. I mean, I get it. Like these channels will want more money and every couple of years. And uh, I mean, maybe you guys see this, maybe you don't, but I see it a lot because of NBC sports Chicago. But I remember when they were like having a fight with whatever cable providers and it was like all the the NBC Sports or the Comcast Sportsnet Chicago before it became NBC Sports Chicago, you know, and like Washington or, or sorry, D.C. and like San Jose. They were like, you know, email your provider and tell them that you need Comcast Sportsnet because they, you know, th- we're we're only charging a modest fee to the cable providers, but they won't pay it. And so they're going to cancel it. Now you won't be able to watch Blackhawk games and your life is going to be terrible. So now you need to do this. Right. And it's just like, no, you could just lower your asking price. I mean, you know, the it's like Clemente, you know this because you're a journalist, right? It's like the free magazine. What's their What's their revenue if it's if it's not the cover price of the magazine, which is free? Or it's the advertising. It's the advertisement. So you say, guess what? We got a million subscribers. We got, you know what? Guess what? We're on all the most basic cable packages, and they have this many on Xfinity, and this many on AT and T UVerse, and this many on whatever, right? And then they go, oh, okay, right? Instead of like, well, only the people who pay for the hundred and twenty dollar package get the NHL network. You know, you get the ad revenue, ad revenue, and then you could show some better commercials because you'd have more interesting advertisers. Yeah, no, look, I look, I think I think you guys are right. I think Tim is right. It's this is never going to get resolved. I mean, unless they, you know, make a deal like, for example, Major League Soccer, they made a mm-hmm. deal with Apple Plus. Right. And all their games, every game is on Apple Plus. Now you have to get Apple Plus to watch it. But if the NHL was on there, at least I would know that if I paid for Apple Plus. I would be able to just catch every game and pick and choose, but that's not happening, you know, in terms of with the NHL. And, and you know, we were texting the other night, and you guys were talking about some game. Like, I don't know what you're talking about because I'm not watching that game. I can't see it. So that that collective thing doesn't happen with the NFL, for example, right? Everyone's watching the NFL whenever whatever game they want. And so because that's exactly it. They have all the money. They can get all the sponsorships. Everybody jumps in front of each other to get something advertised on there because they're going to get in front of billions of eyeballs. And the problem always lies in the fact that the NHL has never been good about advertising itself. Never. Even when they were good with it, they still were. eh. You guys remember the versus days, right? So that oh yeah, I was oh, the versus. I was a dark age. Yeah, I even oh, remember no. before that when it was still Outdoor Life Network. Yeah, right? Outdoor like, Life Network. Oh yeah, my oh, god. Like, yeah, and it's like, well, hockey's indoor. I don't know what it used to show a lot of like Tour de France and stuff. Like, but the, the nobody, Outdoor Life Network, it would be like Babe Winkleman's Fishing Hour, followed by Hockey Night in Canada. It was like yeah, what? followed by Swamp Boat Racing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, no. And you know, I remember reading the press release for that and they're like, NHL going to be on OLN. And the whole press release did not say what OLN stood for. So I had to Google it. And this was like 2005. So Google still wasn't Google. So maybe I didn't. I might have Yahooed it. I might have Lycoast that. Yeah, I might have web crawlered that and say like, what is OLN? And it's Outdoor Life Network. And this was before they had the Winter Classic. Yes. Yes. (laughs) 
No, it's so true. And I mean, like that was a dark ages, but things aren't that much better if you think about it. I mean, I know we have all the streaming options and we can, but you end up paying through the nose and you're still not going to catch everything. Like I make it a point to watch TNT and ESPN on, you know, during the week and I'll watch whatever game they're showing or games because usually there's more than one. But, and I'll watch the Rangers, but, you know, I, I still will put the radio on and listen to the Rangers on the radio if I have to, you know, or because I think hockey on the radio is great. You know, now it's not the same feeling, obviously, as watching it, but the announcers are really good. But yeah, you know, so this is the universe we're living in. It's unfortunate. A side note, I, I did enjoy the global series because I was like, hey, I'm home and there's a game at 2.30 in the afternoon on a, on a Thursday or whatever it was, you know, and, and we know there's an audience for that because soccer fans will watch European soccer in the middle of the day. I think having more games in Europe may be a good idea because look, once again, the NFL is doing that and it's working out for them. You know, they're playing all over Europe, London and Germany and everywhere else. And I think having the NHL playing in Europe and Scandinavian countries, Northern Europe, whatever, I think makes a lot of sense. And that could be something we see in the future. And ideally those games would be on the weekend though, because nobody wants to watch a 2.30 afternoon game on a Thursday because no one's really home. But it hasn't hurt soccer. It hasn't hurt some other sports. So I just wonder if the league is thinking about that. And maybe with the Olympics coming up, they're going to make that global push once again, we'll, but we'll see. But I agree in terms of the cable, cord cutting, streaming, whatever, unless you you could house the league in one place like Amazon or Apple Plus or something, we're going to have this problem forever. I thought that's what ESPN Plus was supposed to be. I thought that's what ESPN Plus was supposed to be, sure. was it all really. being in one place, but it wasn't. No, they bought a ton of games, but not everything. Yeah. Yeah, every single game's not on there. If the game's a crossover game and it's on a regular network, it won't be on. And if it's and if it's uh yeah, all the local games are blocked out, like you can't watch the Blackhawks on ESPN Plus. Like I said, I don't know if it's eighty percent, but it it seems like it is. Like if there's twenty games on, there wouldn't be twenty games on. If there's if there's fifteen games, ESPN Plus probably has at least nine or ten of them. Right. And I'm cherry picking the games that I wanted to see. Like the other night, I wanted to watch the Leafs and the Bruins because I'm like, hell yeah, I got I got guys on my fantasy team on both of those teams. But they're also just teams that I want to watch anyway. So the fact that they were playing each other, I was excited. And it's like, nope, it's oh, it was for uh, Hockey Night in Canada, I think. And so I remember that was on NHL Network. So I watched something else that was Hockey Night in Canada and then that game ended, and they said, all right, we're going to go over to the Leafs-Bruins game. And then it just cut out. And then it was like, your your thing is over. And that, one last thing I'll say about the ESPN Plus that I don't like. I love Hockey Night in Canada. I loved the fact that when I had center ice, and I'll probably think about going back to center ice, but I love that they would show the Hockey Night in Canada pregame show, and then you would just have the games back-to-back. And then you'd have the stuff in between the first game and the second game. Now what happens is if the first game ends at 8.45 Chicago time, it's done. And I don't get to see that 15 minutes of filler between the end of that game and the start of the late game. I mean, I've always liked Hockey Night in Canada. I mean, you could say what you want about Ron McLean. You could say what you want about them not having Don Cherry anymore. But Wait, I can say what I want? You're going to anyways, but... What I mean, can say what he wanted. No, I'm kidding. You know, yeah. like, I, no, I can't say overall, that. I just like everything about it. 
Let me ask uh, you this, though, Sal. Let me ask you this. Do yep. they cut that part out because it's not ESPN content, so they can't show it? Or why do they think that part is carved out? Because they're showing you the game and nothing else. Oh. They're showing oh. you the game, and that's it. And, oh. like, it was kind of like that on center ice, although certain teams you'd get to see the pregame and postgame. Like, that's why I like the Colorado Avalanche, because I'd always be able to catch the pregame show half an hour before the game started. And in the postgame show... And then I got to really feel like I knew the team better. And I felt like this should be something that they should do for all the things. But, like, you know, it'd be like 5.57, and I'll go to turn on the game that's supposed to start at 6. And it'd be like, this hasn't started yet. Yeah. And to that point, it's not about what ESPN is turning on and turning off. It's what they're allowed to by the provider of that service. So if they pick up a game, for instance... ESPN for most games will let you watch whichever feed you want, either the home team or the away team. Most of the Penguins feeds, which I will watch, you will get a chunk of pregame and a chunk of postgame almost every single time. But I've noticed that almost any of the Canadian teams and really uh, almost all the California teams, you get none of the pre and postgame. And so I think that's about the provider rather than the other, because like the I had the Flyers feed on for some god awful reason I don't know why the other day, and their pregame was on, and you know, I flipped it over finally and basically backed it up and restarted the Penguin feed from the beginning, and it was pregame with you know player interviews and down on the ice and talking about warm-ups and all that kind of stuff so i think it really depends on who what that provider for that service allows to be shown because they definitely cut out commercials like i never see you know number one cochran commercials on the penguins feeds anymore they always cut them out and play the little looped espn i hate those sports stupid espn music that just repeats over and over it's like a 10 second audio loop and and like the same it's a national commercial if it's a national commercial like whatever the stupid one is that's over and over again with um what's the actress's name that played stifler's mom oh yeah Um, i don't she yeah Every one of those commercials, the one where she's in the grocery store walking around and the one where she won't pay her bill in the cafe because Debbie John stole her bicycle when she was five years old. Yeah. Between those those two commercials and the stupid Burger King ones over and over and over and over. I love those foreign commercials, whether foreign just being like two states over or being Canada. I mean, I, I still remember when McDonald's had their mini goalie stick promotion and they had this little goalie who was like a foot tall named jc petite no one could beat him and he's like ah you cannot beat me and he's like sliding around and stopping all the puck i mean everybody else was like full size and the puck was full size but jc petite was like you know like a foot tall and he's like nice going no goal off or whatever he'd like taught the other players and i remember like a scotia bank commercial with Jerome McGinlaw where like they were giving like a free Calgary Flames bank to kids and so McGinlaw was trying to get the bank and he was like pretending like he was like a kid and like oh we're sorry but this is only for kids you know I mean just stupid funny stuff like that where you kind of get an idea of like wait they have a place called Boston Pizza in Canada 
Don't they know that Boston sucks for its pizza? It should be Chicago pizza or maybe New York pizza, but Boston pizza? Is that a joke? Right? So it's it's just funny in a good way. Shall we talk about Corey Perry? If we have to. Well, you know, I'm kind of glad we had a bye week on the podcast because if we had recorded last week, that's when it was all speculation and innuendo and then the internet liked to blow up and like come up with all these rumors. So the rumor was that Corey Perry. All right. I wrote this down so yeah, that was, I can say Speaking of Stifler's mom, that was a oh, good yes. segue. Yeah, but wasn't oh, it wasn't like a hazing, a hazing thing. It wasn't like the first rumor. That's what I saw. That it was, was the like first rumor. It was like a hazing thing that he was in trouble for, which uh, not to be true. Okay. So rumors was that he was somehow involved with one of his teammates' mothers during the Blackhawks' annual mom's trip. And, of course, it had to be that teammate, the one that everybody is talking about and won't leave alone for five seconds because every time Connor Bedard twitches his nose, there's 11 cameras covering it. (laughs) And then they started leaving him alone, and then he he did well enough to be the NHL Rookie of the Month for November because, like, the media fervor around him died down and he was able to actually concentrate and play some hockey and did pretty damn well for himself. And, I mean, what, like a month ago, he was kind of like sixth or seventh in rookie scoring, and everybody's like, wow, you're really stretching that list. Like, oh, but he's tied for seventh, and now he's first in rookie scoring. And so it's like he's been allowed to play his game. And so, anyways, getting back to this Corey Perry thing, the team suspends him or puts him on a leave, does an investigation, and then it's just basically revealed that something inappropriate happened involving him and a member of the Blackhawks, someone, an employee of the Blackhawks. So not a teammate, but an employee of the Blackhawks. You know, kudos to the Blackhawks, because if it was the NFL, they would have fired the employee, right? (laughs) Because <laughs> that's what the NFL does. Like, oh, well, we'll just fire the employee because the quarterback was doing something bad, right? In this case, they put Perry on waivers, terminated his contract, and he released a statement. And I'll just read this one quote from him. It's a long statement, so I'm just going to read the pertinent part. I've started working with experts in the mental health and substance abuse fields to discuss my struggles with alcohol. And I will take whatever steps necessary to ensure this never happens again. I hope to regain the trust and respect of everyone who has believed in me through my career. The million dollar question of this that I will pose to both of you. Do we believe this statement? Wow. The pause is deafening. (laughs) No, I I have to say, I mean. Why not? I think whatever happened involved, he was probably drunk or, or something like that. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I think that's believable. I mean, I mean, you think it's a way to kind of, put, you know, make this a, about some kind of personal demon and it goes away, you think, because it becomes personal? I mean, it could be. I, I kind of find it hard to believe that it hasn't leaked out, but what, what exactly it was. Um, Here's the thing. How long has Corey Perry been in the league? We all know. And he's bounced around from team to team to team. But he's always been that guy that everybody like didn't want on their team, but they wanted on their team. He's a pest kind of guy, but he can score. And he can score when he needs to. And he always gets himself in the positions where he makes himself less expendable from team to team. So your point is valid. 
how is it in this world of social media and instant access to everything that we haven't heard about his problems up to this point? Maybe he's good at keeping a secret. And if that is great, I mean, I've encountered a number of people with issues similar and, you know, some are well known, others maybe not. So is it possible? Yes. Am I calling him a liar? No. Am I calling this a setup? Well, hard to not think that there might be something to it from a standpoint of uh, damage control and he becomes the fall guy. Yeah, but look, if he has if he has some kind of issue with alcohol or drugs, then he'll be back next season somewhere else, maybe. But he'll be back. Well, that's exactly it. NHL has the employee assistance program. Right. So you you get into that, you're protected. Yeah, yeah, the union's going to protect him, and his career is not over unless Sal. You think we'll never see him again? I don't think that's the case. Somebody will pick him up. Unless it's really bad, and this is just a cover for that. I mean, a few episodes back, or maybe at the beginning of the season, I said that how how ridiculous I thought that a 38 year old UFA was signed to a four million dollar a year contract. The way he's been playing, I'd say yeah, solid two million dollar player. $4 $4 million player? No, that's like, we need to get to the cap floor, so let's start overpaying, right? But then again, I'm not a general manager, so they know something I don't know. But who's going to want to sign him, pick up that contract? Or I guess the contract gets terminated? Is that how it works? And then he, he gets start a new, over. Yeah. new contract? I don't think there's any NHL contract that can just be dissolved like that. Right. No, and that's where the PA comes in, and they say, well, you got to honor this. Yeah, yeah, I'm no expert in contracts and how the PA has things set up, but I don't think there's one that's that ironclad from a team side that could just be snap gone. Right. There's no doubt in my mind that Corey Perry wouldn't be picked up for another team. Yeah. I no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, if what he did was really egregious, then – We'd be talking about like jail time and not just having his contract. Yeah. Right. It seems to be with everything that's come out that he was drunk at a sponsor event. Hmm. So maybe he said something to the wrong person. Maybe he did something. Who knows? Whatever. We've all done dumb things when we're drunk. I mean, Phil Esposito back in uh, 67 told the GM that we have a great team, but you're going to, and I quote, and you're going to fuck it up. And so then <laughs> they traded him to Boston. Huh? That was 67. So Yeah, but still, I mean, when you when you get drunk and you tell the GM, we got a great team, but you're going to fuck it up, you know? And then why did they trade him to the Bruins? Well, that was part of the reason, you know? Well, I'm, again, I'm glad that we didn't have a show last week because there was still a lot of the speculation. And I got really tired of the speculation because people just really love to run with things and just make memes because everybody thinks they're funny. Like, you mean Connor's mom has got it going on? You mean that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, a real one to just make that up on the fly. <laughs> I'm sure somebody did. Sounds like okay, so then. I need to count. I need to counter with my leave Connor alone video, like the leave Britney alone video, circa right. two thousand seven. Anyone? No one. 
I think those resurface. It yeah. happened on the Hawks is going to be about Bedard. Anything. He's going to get sucked into that story because if you of ask who he is, right. If you ask most people, name a player on the team, they're going to be like, oh, but yeah, Connor Bedard. So I think for the Blackhawks, too, they don't want any of this negative stuff floating around. I think Bedard was nowhere near this incident, but nonetheless, once Twitter picks that up or X or whatever, the social media storm starts, then they probably have to try to rebuff that with like, okay, let's put some stuff out there because we got to counter the narrative that may be a fake narrative, but it's out there. Well, and you know, I'm glad you mentioned the Blackhawks because as the organization, as they used to call themselves for years and years and years, not organization, organization, but, <laughs> but we know that they've been a very toxic workplace with, you know, going back to the Brad Aldrich thing. And then there was like, um, uh, another, uh, like, I think it was an Ice Hogs employee who was like, did something that the, the team covered up, right? So the Blackhawks have had all these cover-ups, right? So now it feels like the pendulum's going to swing in the other direction. And maybe it would be something that wouldn't have gotten somebody suspended, but it's just like, well, we got to have like, not only a zero tolerance, but we got to like burn it to the ground to make sure it doesn't happen. But good on them for standing up for their employee and not taking the player's side. Because everybody, it always seems like they're going to take the player's side because it's the players. Okay, well, we'll see where he ends up. But so don't uh, burn all your Corey Perry cards yet. No. He could come back. No, I was supposed to do a signing in Chicago, an autograph event this month, but that's been postponed for obvious reasons. <laughs> So how about Patrick Kane signing with the Red Wings? Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, I know people will be like, well, is that like a gut punch because he signed with the Red Wings? And I'm like, no, not really for a couple of reasons. One, they're not in the same division. You know, they haven't been for a while. And he went to the Rangers in between, so. Yeah, but the thing is, is that like everybody talks about the Blackhawks and Red Wings rivalry. But you know what? They were only in the same division from like 72 to like 2013, so it's a long time, like 40-ish years. Holy, that's like 40 years. I know, but from like 1926 to like, well, then there was only one division for a while. Well, there were, you know, the the original six, but still, you know what I mean? Like They're both original six, and they have all that history of, of, you know, just... It went on forever. I mean, it was only till recently that they decided for whatever godforsaken reason to, hey, Detroit should be our buffer team and we can just move them around at will because somehow Detroit's can go east or west. I'm not sure where they get that dividing line from, but whatever. I like the signing. I think it fits the Iser plan. The question is, will he be able to recover and be back to his old self? They thought he was going to be in the lineup for the Buffalo game, but that's not happening. What a bummer that he missed the Buffalo game, he missed the Blackhawks game, and he missed the Rangers game. Like, all these teams that you'd want to see Patrick Kane play against for obvious reasons, and he didn't play in any of them. So, so. just to give a quick little recap, so he signed with the Red Wings one year, $2.75 million for the rest of the season. He's expected to play on the top line with Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Larkin. Sounds like a nice line on paper, but then again, he sounded great on paper with the Rangers. And now everyone's talking like, oh, is he going to get back that magic with him and DeBrinkett? I think so. 
But you got to wonder, like, can we think of another instance where, like, player goes to another team, his linemate joins him on that other team, and then they get the band back together and and it works out, right? Like, Gretzky and Messier in uh, New York was not the same as Gretzky and Messier in Edmonton. And Kane and Panarin in New York was not the same as Kane and Panarin in Chicago. And for more commentary on this, we'll throw this to our resident Rangers expert, Clemente. Well, no, it could be that it's just a Rangers thing then. No, no. But I agree that, you know, there's also big gaps of time, though. Choking on Gatorade now. Sorry about that. No, <laughs> big gaps of time. I mean, you're talking about Gretzky and Messi. That was like 20-something years later. So Well, maybe, 10, but still, yeah. 10, but it, whatever. But, it, you know, it's the different players. Look, it depends on whether or not Kane can get healthy. But, like, we know Kane can be really good on the power play. He scores. He's, he's great. But I fear that, you know, even with a one-year contract, he could be out of Detroit after one season. Right. And, you know, the Rangers were going to go younger. That was the thing. They, they signed uh, Keandre Miller. They signed Lafreniere. They want to go younger. And I get that, which is against their playbook. The Rangers love to pick up, like, guys from other teams like Kane and build around the old guys like they did with the 94 team but it hasn't really worked for the rangers since 94 to be honest and so it's a little erratic i mean the rangers are a fairly young team if you think about it but yeah no kane in new york was i was excited about that and it never really went anywhere honestly so you know and i know that people in chicago i don't know if people still love him in chicago or not or they think oh, he's yeah. A traitor. yeah or you know he's not a traitor to them i guess but you know, because he won, you know, three cups, obviously. But the thing is, I don't know. I don't know. I think, Tim, you're more bullish on him. But I think if he doesn't get back to 100% that he was, I think he'll be a total bust. And well, and that's the thing. Everything I've seen, it's not that he doesn't have it currently. It's just the conditioning part because he's been away for so long. Right. And he's got to get up. You know, you got to get the lung capacity going. You got to get your speed up, all that kind of thing. But if you've watched any of the videos of him in practice, like the lateral movement and everything, it's there, mm. which I'm kind of surprised because, honestly, everybody that's had this surgery so far, it has not worked out in their best interest going forward with a career. And Kane talked about how much pain he was in, and he, he said that, like, with his skating, he was doing more pivoting on his good leg. Like, instead of moving, skating, he would do more pivoting on, on his good leg. And he says, so now he doesn't have to do that anymore because um, right. he's got his full range of motion back. Look, as a forward gets older, they're gonna, they are they lose a step, right? I mean, he's a forward. I don't want to sound overly critical, but you have forwards that will play into their 40s, and then you have guys that are not going to play into their 40s. And I don't see Kane as somebody who's going to play into his 40s because he's an offensive weapon. He's not a two-way player. He's not a defensive player. Like, you think of, like, Steve Eiserman, right? In the 80s, he was scoring 60, 70 goals, and then by, like, the 90s and the 2000s, he was, like, a Selkie candidate, right? Like, for best defensive forward. So you, you have players like that who, like, evolve from, like, being offensive to defensive in their career. And I don't see that with with Kane and that's okay you know what score your tons of goals and then retire at 37 you know and that's fine he made his money yeah at this point it's not even it's not even about that now it's I mean he just, he's one of those guys that just love to play hockey so yeah it's in his I mean, blood so he's not going to go away unless the, he has to go away 
So. No, and I think he can contribute to the Red Wings, and I think you know if they do put him on the line with Larkin and Debrinket, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty damn good line. I mean, that's the plan right now, and the thing is, that's a great team. As much of there being a buzz around about Detroit, I think still people aren't talking about them enough. I think you're right. Unfortunately, I think as exciting as that line sounds, I probably won't be able to watch it on my cable package. So, won't <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Solani and Korea. That's who I was trying to think. I'm like, I know there was another duo that went to another team, Solani and Korea, but they sucked on the Avalanche. Well, no, they didn't suck. Yeah, they weren't as good as they were on the Ducks, but still. Right. Yeah. I guess that makes the point is they weren't as good. There have been times where they talked about like, you know, oh, they played junior together and now they're going to be on a line together in the NHL and it just doesn't work for whatever reason. Right. Well, it's a different, yeah. I mean, when you talk about juniors compared to the NHL, it's like a different, all, it's totally different. So Everything's faster. I mean, yeah, everything's exactly. faster and harder, you know, so. But, or college or whatever. But when you're talking about different teams, but often there's these big tenure gaps in between, which I think makes a big difference when you're talking about forwards, like you said. So. You know, we'll right. have to wait and see. But maybe you're right. Maybe the Red Wings are the sleeper team that, like, six months from now will be like, wow, can you believe it? They got Stanley Cup finals, you know, or maybe not. But, you know. I mean, they're going to sign Johnny T. Then you're, I said they're going to sign Johnny T. John Tavares? No. Or Jonathan Taves. Jonathan Taves. And they're going to. Johnny bring, T could be a couple different people. They're going to so. they're gonna bring. bring uh, Taze and Kane back together. They huh? weren't always, they weren't really on a line together. They were, but they weren't. You know what I mean? They were, they would usually break them up. They'd always call it the nuclear option if they put them on the same line together. It's like, well, then, okay, then that kind of weakens the second line. PP1. Yeah, there you go. Power play one. Yep. How about that uh, Tristan Jari? He, he's a goal that? scorer now. Two professional goals. Two professional goals. Goals. That's right, because he scored one with Wilkes-Barre Scranton a couple of years ago when he was in the minors. Sure did. So you want to uh, you want to describe uh, the goal to to our yeah. listeners because they can't see the goal. They can find the YouTube video of it. They but... can't watch it on cable either, apparently. So <laughs> the interesting, the interesting I'll, I'll thing is, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the running joke of the evening. You know, the interesting about thing about that is um, a few weeks back. The Delkovich is coming back off an of injury, and he was on a conditioning stint in Wilkes-Barre, and he scored also. So, between both main Penguin goaltenders, we've got three professional goals. So, yeah, it was great. I mean, it was a it was a dump in, kind of silly on on their part, but they dumped it in knowing that Jari always plays the puck. I don't know who didn't read a scouting report. Who were they playing? Part. The Predators was it? Um, they're playing the lightning lightning okay yeah and so they they like go to dump and chase and it goes right on goal and as soon as i saw him come out to play that puck i'm like he's going for it and sure enough he cradled that thing and just sauced it right up the middle and it landed probably just past the blue line and just not quite dead center but it was it was slightly off to the right but nailed it and then it was crazy like he got mobbed by his teammates and it was um it was something to behold that's for sure you know there have been a bunch of goaltender goals in the nhl 
but this is one of the shot on goal goalie goals. There's a bunch that have bounced off of people that were credited to goaltenders. Right, right. But this, was, is, this, this was like Ron Hextall's, right? Like it went right in. Yeah. yeah. So yep. this is what I want to say. So there have been 17. Uh, so he's the 17th goalie in NHL history to score a goal, to get credited with a goal one way or another. But right. there's been 10 that have actually shot it down. So I'm going to assume that you're not looking on Google right now because I'm going to see. I'm going to see how many of these guys do you remember? So one of you said Ron Hextall, so I'm going to cross him off the list because he actually scored two goals, right? So, okay, Clemente, name so a goalie. So Hextall counts as two or just one? Well, I'm going to cross him off twice. Well, two, two goals. Okay. Well, so, yeah, he actually – so there are nine goalies, okay. two being oh. Ron Hextall, once in the regular season, once in the playoffs, but who actually shot it down. Some of the other guys who scored goals – I use finger quotes. It's basically they got credited. I'll, I mean, I'll give the, for instance, the very first goal recorded by a goalie was Billy Smith in um, the 79-80 season when Rob Ramage of the Colorado Rockies basically passed the puck back and it went 180 feet into his own net, right? Or like, you know, whatever. He was, you know, it was like a pulled goalie kind of situation. So, Billy Smith was the last Islander to touch the puck, so he got credited with the goal. So we're talking about, though, when they, the goalie fires it down. So, okay, Clemente, name someone, not Ron Hextall, and obviously not Tristan Jari. Marty Brodeur. Marty Brodeur. Okay. Okay, Tim, name someone. Jose Theodore. Yes, Jose Theodore. Okay, Clemente, back on you. I know Chris Osgood scored a goal. Yes, Chris Osgood. Okay. Tim, it's on you now. Thinning out a little bit. Now, you guys got all the early ones. Now, these are all the more recent ones. Oh, because we're old, so we can remember the old stuff. We can't remember, like, the last 10 years. I was going to say, other than Jari, the last four have been scored that way. So, last year was uh, Linus Allmark. Okay, Linus Allmark. Back on you, Clemente. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Cam Ward? No, he might have gotten credited for one. Yeah, Cam Ward scored, and it bounced off of Ilya Kovalchuk. Oh right, I'm trying. I'm running out of guys who just went right down the middle. You know? Okay, do you want to? Do you want a clue? I'll give you a clue. Yeah. I don't know how entertaining this is for the listeners, but <laughs> it's this is where they turn to out. I think I can name the other ones. All right. I'm well, left, but... left five, three. There'd three, be four. Three. Yeah, I was gonna say three with shots on goal. All right, Tim for the steal. Uh, Mike Smith. Mike Smith. Um, can I go again? Yeah. <laughs> Nabokov. Evgeny Nabokov, yes. And the last one. Actually, I'll give this. We'll let Clemente try to get this one. I'll give you a hint. He scored it against the Chicago Blackhawks. Was it Pekka Rene? Yes. And then he, he immediately retired and said, I can't do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> My work here is done. Wait, we, we did okay here. We did okay. Yeah. yeah. No, well, I mean, they're that's... so rare. We remember, I remember them. Like, they're so rare, you know. I mean, right, and then the right. Next day, like, I didn't see this go live, but then the next morning, it was, like, all over my social media feed. So I saw it there, you know, but, which is the way people see stuff now. Right. The Pecorine goal, I remember that because I was watching the Blackhawks and they were just having such a terrible season. And that was actually um, January 9th of 2020. And I remember because 
that was just a terrible season. And then like, then the NHL suspended a couple months later because of COVID. Right. So it was just like everything about that season was, was well, at least for the Blackhawks was terrible, but. Uh, well, the reason goal was, was great too. He shot it from behind the net. Mm-hmm. So he was it's below the goal been, line. I can't picture the timeline, but they've been out of the, out of, the, out of all the 10, you mentioned it. It feels like the last five or six were much more recent. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's see here. Uh, Rene, Allmark, and Jari. There's a big gap between Hextall and Brodeur and then yeah. all these other guys, right? So. Well, I, I got all the dates right here, so I could just tell you right now. I was curious, Jari, is, it getting, is, it, is it becoming more, more common? That's all. Uh, I think there was, for a little while, though, we kind of had less of it because they they invented that trapezoid and made yes. all those new rules about the way right. goalies can handle pucks because Martin Brodeur was so good at handling the puck. Yes. And being yes. able to pass it to his teammates. And then, you know, he got that empty netter, which I think was stupid, right? Like, why would you do that? Let's take something cool, like a goalie goal. Like, listen, it, it's kind of like one of those things that's like, it's almost not worth the risk, right? Because usually when the goalie tries to do that, sometimes it gets picked off. It doesn't end up in a goal, but it can also sometimes put their team in trouble because somebody picks it off. Where's the goalie? They're usually standing to the side of the net when they fire it, right? Now they might've fired it and somebody picked it off, right? And then it leads to a turnover or maybe a goal against or something. So it's not like a sure thing. So. Well, you got, you got one on the list. Here's, here's a fun fact. Yeah. One, One of those on the list, uh, by a fellow named Damian Rhodes, who you may remember. He got credited with one, and the pulled goaltender was Martin Brodeur. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's funny. So Brodeur scored three goals, but he allowed a goal against another goalie, so that should count against one of his goalie goals. <laughs> he had gotten pulled, and I think it was Lyle Odeline shot it into his own net. I'm looking at the notes here about the last one that Martin Broder scored. It was March 21st, 2013 against the Carolina Hurricanes, and it was against Dan Ellis. And the footnote here says, Ellis had not yet reached the bench to be replaced by an extra attacker during an attempt to return to stop the puck. The goal was therefore credited as an official goal against Ellis instead of an empty net goal because Ellis was not off the ice yet. So that's got to be even more demoralizing. It's one thing when you get pulled and you see it go into the empty net, but if you're like the goalie and you're like skating to the bench and then you double back and you're like, no, wait, and then you try to stop the puck and you can't. I mean, that's against you, bro. That's going against your save percentage. (laughs) Yes, that's bad. Yeah. Moving on to another goalie, Marc-Andre Fleury. Goalie mask controversy. Controversy, again, finger quotes, because the NHL being the NHL and doing NHL things. I have to say, reading up on this before the show, I can't figure out what the NHL's rule is anymore. So it says goalies can't have, like, specialty... Well, players in general can't have specialty jerseys, masks, stickers, whatever, on theme nights. I guess that was in response to the LGBTQ stuff, right? Right. So Flurry wanted to wear a mask honoring Native Americans. And that was a no-no. But but then, like, the Rangers goalies wear, like, I don't know. I know it's not New York night, but they wear, like, Statue of Liberty on their goal, a mask. So why is that okay? Like, I'm Every very, goalie in the league has a specialty. I know. Mask. But I'm, but why? Like, exactly. So he had, like, I don't know, like. 
Native American uh, you know, patterns. Why is that different than like an eagle or I don't understand because it was a particular theme night. It sounds to me this is the, the NHL's rule is they're so scared of the the LGBTQ night or or something political that they're banning everything. Like, oh no, you can't do this. You know, I mean, if you if you're gonna have like in a Native American night, then what's the point? Then why not? Then if the guy wants to wear a goalie, uh, like the goalie wants to wear the mask. I mean, even in warmups, he wasn't allowed to wear it supposedly, and he did it anyway. I'm just, I think the players don't have any clarity on what the rule is. And the NHLPA needs to get more involved to say, look, he can't ban everything. I'm just very confused as to what is in bounds and what's not. And it's very confusing. I think the players are confused and it's becoming silly. I agree. Again, we've already said it once in this recording the NHL can't get out of its own way. Right. They, they just can't ever. They make a rule, they rescind the rule. They right. make up another policy, they rescind the policy. And it's always reactionary in response to something rather than just setting it and forgetting it. And that's right. the problem. That's a great rhyme, uh, rhyme and motto. I mean, it should just be like, just stick with this and go with it or not. But this yeah, they, need, they need to Ronco this stuff. Set it and forget it. Otherwise, you get these negative headlines every time something like this happens. So what if it was like, I don't know, Irish night or Italian night? You know, baseball teams have these... And then the guy, the goalie wanted to wear like something on, on his mask. He can't. I guess not. So this is confusing. Oh, no. He painted Christopher Columbus on his mask for Italian night. Now everybody's angry about that. So then he painted Super Mario on his mask. And then they're offended about that, too. So that's what I mean. You really can't win. And the truth is, if you're watching this at home or in the in the arena, you can't see the goalie's mask from where you're sitting. I'm sorry. Like, it's too far away. And it's too subtle. As opposed to something that's a little bit more, you know, everybody deal. wearing a pink jersey or something, you notice that. Yeah, but even that is in the warmups. I never had a problem with that, so I don't know. I'm just, I feel like the the league is just, like Tim says, very reactionary, and they want they want to avoid negative headlines, but they keep getting them because this goalie mask controversy would not have been a thing if they hadn't had this really weird rule. And well, so, and you saw you saw they eventually caved and let him wear it during warm up, and he did. But wear that it. was it, right? Couldn't right. wear it during the game. I mean, as long as it's regulation, it's okay. I don't know. I I feel like this is becoming really silly. That's all. Yeah, it is. It is. Uniforms, colors, helmets, artwork—it's all whatever. Well, I mean, it's like the right it's like the one? NFL. Yeah, the, the NFL is doing the cleat thing, right? Well, though, the NFL, though, they, they basically, like, pre-approved, like, what, like, five or six decals that you can pick one of those for your helmet? Is that what they're doing? Well, they have the helmet decal thing, but the they're doing the my, my cleat, my cause. So you can wear, like, whatever cleat you want with artwork and stuff on it. But then, I guess they're auctioning them off after the game, and then the proceeds go to your charity. Okay. Right. But they don't do it all year long. It's only when the NFL says. If you wear cleats that aren't approved, that have stuff drawn on them it's or fine. painted, fine. you're fined. Like in you're the fined. NBA or whatever, yeah. Or, yeah. or or like, for example, they, I know they do the breast cancer awareness in October. Everything is pink. But it's only in October. It doesn't right. Matter. And everyone knows what the rule is. So if somebody goes outside of that and in the middle of December wears shoes that say Merry Christmas or whatever on them, you're fined. Right. You know you're going to be fined. If you do it anyway, great. Right. There are no rules like that in the NHL. 
It's like we just make them up as we go. There's this great story I'm going to share. And unfortunately, I, I always like to double down on the Chicago stories, but it's such a great story. So uh, the Chicago Bears had a quarterback in the 80s named Jim McMahon. You guys probably remember him, even if you didn't watch the Bears, because he was like such a personality, like personality of the superstar, above average quarterback, couldn't stay off the injured list. Side note to that, yep. got to watch the dark side of the NFL episode oh. with it, Jim McMahon. Oh, I'm sure it's fantastic. It's, and so it's a great episode. He he got fined for wearing an Adidas headband. You weren't allowed to wear sponsor marks on a sweatband. So what, he takes off his football helmet and he's got an Adidas headband and he gets fined for that. So the next week he had a plain white headband, but he wrote Roselle across it, which was the name of the NFL commissioner, Pete Roselle. So that was his response was, okay, I can't wear Adidas, so I'm going to put Roselle's name on my headband. I mean, and that was just such a funny, funny thing. That'd be like if, if, if Mark andre Fleury came out with a Gary Bettman mask next week. What would be the symbol on that thing? I don't even want to say. <laughs> That's the thing. Is as much as there's very few personalities in the NHL that like actually are outgoing enough to do that, I don't think there's anybody willing to dip their toe in that pool. Well, the the NHL well, doesn't have personalities; they don't want any, and which is part of the marketing problem. No. It's like you need the personalities, but at the no. same time, they're scared. And so, yeah, you can't promote the league if you don't have these personalities, and you need them because in a sport like football, where everyone's wearing a helmet, you can't even tell who's who. And hockey is kind of similar in that way, but you need personalities. And I, I, it's a shame that they don't allow a little bit more, you know, I'm not talking about unsportsmanlike conduct, but I'm talking about a little bit of a personality, a little, a little brashness would be nice. There's yeah. less than 20 guys in the league that don't give you the cliched answers every time they're interviewed. Right. It's there's like less, there's of, less than 20. Of, it's like a league full of Derek Jeters. They don't really talk much and they don't give you anything. And nope. I just hate that. Yeah. Who's a good soundbite? Who's a good soundbite? Yeah, I'm trying to think now. I mean, I think there's probably one guy on every team. Well, name one. I'm asking it's you a to little name goofball. one. Is it I mean, like Brad Marchand? He's, he's, he's not bad. Marchand says kind of whatever he wants to say. You got Austin Matthews, who pretty much says whatever he wants. Yeah. Um, you've got Dreisaitl in Edmonton that spouts off when he gets riled up. Mm-hmm. You've got... Right. Um, yeah, he, he yells at reporters, though. That's the thing. He does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got the Hughes brothers, other than Quinn. Quinn doesn't talk much. The other two, they speak. You got, I mean, Ryan Reeves, he doesn't give a F yeah, about Reeves anything. He good. says he says whatever he wants. There's a lot of guys, but I, I don't think that list is bigger than 20. You know, 700 players in the league, and there might be 20 that right. say right. more than we got to get pucks in deep and we got to... Uh, Keep putting the pressure on in the ozone and all that kind of stuff. Hundred and ten percent. Yeah, it's like those dolls that you pull the string and it just gives you six stock phrases. That's like the, the <laughs> NHL doll. Like, There's a oh, snake in my boot. <laughs> it's like when you were a kid that had like the farm animals, and like you would just like circle yeah. and just like go to the cow and go moo. Oh, the cow says. says it's like what, what, what would Connor McDavid say? It's like oh, it's a team effort. You know, remember we should the, make one of those. Remember the remember the Family Guy with the German C and say and 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 Stewie like pulls the string and it's like the cow says Shazur yeah. and Stewie's like no it most certainly does not say Shazur. <laughs> no, it doesn't. 
And then when they take their time machine and they go there, it actually did. Yeah. 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 I like that. The see and say, right. You know, like the coach says, we just have to try harder. And the superstar says we got to give 110%, you know, and oh God. Okay. Real quick announcement. I'm writing again for Sports Collectors Digest. It's been a, a three-year gap, but then I saw Clemente writing for Sports Collectors Digest, and I'm like, hey, I used to do that. I want to do that again. So I have an article about the Fall Expo. It'll be in the upcoming issue, but it's also on their website. I will link to that in the comments. And uh, Clemente, I'm glad they used some of the photos that you took, especially not the one of me interviewing Bernie Perrant, although that's a great photo. I should put it on my wall. But the one of Marcel Dion... Dave Taylor and Charlie Simmer photobombing Les Binkley. Yes, that was probably the photo of the whole expo. I mean, we we, we had yes. fun. With that. Yeah, we had fun with that. And also, I want to say about your article is it's not so much a recap of the expo, but sort of where the hockey hobby is at the moment. That's what I think the article's about. Because, like you said, nobody wants to read a "Hey, I went to a show. I bought cards. That was fun." I got card signed. I went home. But that's but you know. So it was really a good snapshot in what's happening. And I think um, I mean, we talked about that in the last podcast. But you know, and the expo is obviously growing. It's it's becoming it's not the national, but it's 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 growing and it's becoming a bigger deal. And I think more Americans are going there. So it's definitely something I think Americans care about more. Yeah, I mean those things are interrelated. Like if the expo did well, it's because the hobby's doing well. So. You say the expo does well, but it's doing well because of the interest. Actually, you know, I want to just segue over to something that uh, one of our listeners emailed and said this. This is a listener who's also a dealer, and they wanted to address the Bedard bump because they heard the podcast, and this is just their perspective on this. They said, I noticed this before with Sidney Crosby. We used to be the only ones with hockey at most of the shows that we did. Along came Crosby and Ovechkin, and everyone had a box or two, meaning a box or two of hockey cards. And then they said here, in Chicago, I had a lot of people ask for Connor Bedard cards. You could tell most didn't know what they were asking for. Or that they were No, that, really? That they were asking for, slash they were non-hockey fans. His name was pronounced all different kinds of ways. They Color wanted me his, shocked. His name was pronounced all different kinds of ways. They wanted his young gun, etc. So, yeah. When you I have, have a car that hasn't come out yet, that's basically what they're asking. They don't even know they're asking for that, but yeah. Or like Tim says, when people are complaining because the group break of 22-23 SPX doesn't have Connor Bedard in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, stupid breakers. I mean, and, you know, we, we laugh about it and we watch plenty of breaks over the last few years of people jumping into hockey for whatever reason, whether it was Alexei Lafreniere a couple years ago or people trying to get freeze off in series two after that and just endless mispronunciations and stuff. You know, now it's gotten to the point where everybody's focused on those key cards, right? It's the Crosby rookies, the Ovechkin rookies, the Gretzky rookies going backward. And what's killing me are the people that are all about the big auctions closing and and the investing and going after, you know, 
well, who's the big guy to get and who's this and who's the best investment here and best investment there going dipping back into vintage and have no clue who anyone is they don't know the players they don't know i mean they know the teams because most of those teams are still around the vast mm-hmm. majority of them but they don't know the players they don't know the history behind them they don't know that half these guys are in the hall of fame they don't know why these guys are famous why they're in the hall of fame i saw somebody talking about a Doug Harvey card. They had no clue. No clue who Doug Harvey was. Didn't know what position he played. Had absolutely zero idea. And it just kills me. It absolutely kills me. Because this is a hobby, and this is something that you like, right? If you don't know these people, why do you like them? You don't like them. You like the potential for money, is what you like. You don't like the players. Because you don't know a damn thing about them. So how could you like them? I can understand if you're a team collector, right? You're going after the team. But if you're a team collector, you're probably a team fan. And you probably understand your team's history. Like, if I was a, if I was a Penguin fan, and I, didn't, I couldn't name a player pre-1990, what kind of fan would I be? I mean, really. I mean, I, the team's been around since 67. Not an old team necessarily, but not a new team either. I mean, even if you're a fan of an expansion team that existed from the 90s forward, or even the fake fans, as they call all the teams that popped up in the 2000s. I mean, if you don't know who played for your team the first few years that it existed on this planet, I I got nothing for you. I really don't. Oh. We would probably not be friends. There's so much of this, and it's like, how do you grow the hobby? Well, you need to bring new people in. Well, what gets new people excited? Stuff that they see and know. Do we see this old stuff? No. Do we see Gretzky? No, he's a curmudgeon that's on the panel on one of the channels that shows, you know, hockey occasionally. You know, do we see Gordie Howe? No. Do we see Bobby Orr? Well, no. We don't see any of these people anymore. And so there's no history there. We see the guys currently on the ice. And I get that. There has to be a balance of the two. But to come in and just not have any, I don't care. Like, I don't care about the player. I don't care about the team. I don't care about this. I care that it's in a slab and it's got a 10 written on it. Yeah, 10. So, yeah, it's a commodity to them. It's not like when we all got into hockey at some point in our lives, we were young and we were introduced to whatever the current team was at the time. Then it's up to you to say, oh, you know, what? I'm curious about this game, this sport, these teams. I want to learn more. So you you buy books, you watch old videos, and you immerse yourself because you're interested in not just the cards, but just the whole thing. These guys, look, it's Bedard this year, and in two years, there'll be somebody else that they're moving and dealing and wheeling and shaking with. They, you know, it's just a, like a stock. It's like a stock. It's like, oh, I'm selling IBM and I'm buying coca-cola like you know they don't care you're right it's you know and and i i know whenever before i buy cards or a box or something i like to watch these guys on youtube just open stuff not breakers just anybody and the moment they mispronounce the name i just go off i'm not gonna watch this because i'm like look i just can't it it tells me they don't know what they're even opening and they've never watched the game to know the pronunciation of the players names they're not curious and it's just a straight up business. Um, and that's the thing. And I, if there's a, if there's a player I've never heard of before and I butcher their name. Okay. Call me out on it. 
but it's probably because I've never heard of them before. And it's usually like Russian guys that played two games in the NHL and I got nothing. Um, Or some of like the new rookies and stuff. There might be guys that I may not have heard of before, but I'm not going to continue down that path. I'm going to find out and not try to sound like a moron because here's the thing. We may not have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people following us and listening to us all the time and hanging on every word and doing everything we say. We may not be shilling for some sponsor somewhere that's, you know, paying us to talk about their crap. But at the same time, I'm also not going to sit here and try to act like I'm something I'm not. I mean, I'm a hockey fan. I like cards. I'm a hockey fan that likes cards. And that all kind of covers. I think all of us are. We collect cards because we enjoy the sport. And we collect the guys that we like. Or we collect the teams that we like. And we've built this hobby for ourselves over a long period of time. And I'm not saying that makes us better than somebody that just jumped into the hobby two years ago. But also, if you're going to be part of it, and that's all your thing is, is just ultra modern and I'm only buying new and I'm only buying current. There's still plenty of history to look up that's current. Know who the players are. Know what they do. Know what team they play for. I mean, the truth is, even if you're just wheeling and dealing, you should know that because you need to know what you're handling. I mean, I agree with you. Even if you, but because there's, there's no time, they don't have the sort of the mental bandwidth for that. They're like, well, I can't worry about that because not only am I worried about Bedard, I'm worried about him. I'm also worried about the quarterback du jour in the NFL because every week there's a new quarterback that does something that the price of those cards go up. And so they're dealing with multi sport, those guys with the metal cases. And I can't believe it's taken this long for us to metal, mention that on this podcast, guys with metal cases. But that's what we're talking you know, about. You know, since since this has become like the potpourri mix of we're talking about everything we're talking about. So here's here's something that I that I had today. How long is Bedard Mania going to overshadow every other rookie that comes out? From a card stand, from the hobby standpoint, I think it will never happen because basketball and football, football have too many of these guys popping up all the time. Well, I just mean in hockey, just in oh, hockey. Hockey. Well, no, it'll take another another draft class that people label a gen, you know, some generational talent that we haven't heard of yet. But if over- you look at if you look at the guys that are in the next couple classes, right? There isn't. We don't have that. So it'll be like when we had Crosby and Ovechkin, there was a gap between those guys too. And the next group, but who was the next major one? It was McDavid, right? Yeah. That was yeah, 10 years. Although, That's 10 years. That was, no, there were minor ones. in the yeah, But there were other, specu- there was other speculation. There was other speculation on guys that, that didn't reach the potential. Yeah. Right? I mean, I remember when everybody was losing their shit over Taylor Hall. Right. Right. And, oh, the Taylor Tyler thing. That was real. The, the Taylor Tyler. Yeah. The, Taylor Tile was was real. Yeah, that was real. That was a real thing. Yeah. And and I do remember that. But it was bleeding and it went quick. The problem here is Bedard Mania is just getting kicked off. And I was having a conversation with somebody on on X and I came up. 
I don't know if I came up with this term, but I just said it. The bedeluge is about to happen <laughs> with all of the Bedard cards that are going to hit the market. Oh, was a good especially, segue here. Right. Especially when Series 2 comes out. And that's the thing. I feel like, to my point, this year, everybody's getting overshadowed. And that's a shame because there's other good rookies in this rookie class. And I think next year, people will still be on Bedard. And I think the following year, people will still be on Bedard. Yeah, but he'll only have rookie cards in this year's sets. And then after that, people... But no one's going to care about any of the rookies. They're going to chase autograph, his autograph cards in the future. Yeah. They're going to gonna still be on Bedard. And they're going to still be trying to get all 978,000 of his young guns graded. Okay. But I mean, eventually... So if you're just talking about the flippers and speculators... No, I'm talking about on. everybody that's jumping in. Right. Well, they're, oh, they're going to jump out. Yeah, because McDavid, right, they, they eventually jumped out, right? I mean, that's... They not... jumped out, but then they jumped back. And I'll tell you, in 2021, when I did the National, I sold so much McDavid. Not just rookie year cards, second year cards, high-end insert cards, mid-range insert cards. I mean, anything with McDavid people sold. So when we talked about like people jumping on trends and, 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 you know, the flavor du jour or whatever, I mean, it was like that in, in, um, you know, like also everybody wanted Kirill Kaprizov, not so much anymore. You know, people well, want, he's not playing up to par. This right. But he's still a damn good player. Kale McCarr, when the Avs were in the Stanley cup finals, cause I did a show in June when they were in the finals and everything Avalanche and Lightning was selling. But then when I did the National next month, I would buy a Kale McCarr card from somebody, put it in my case, and 10 minutes later it'd be sold. Now I have a couple of McCarr cards that are just kind of sitting in my cases. No, nobody wants them anymore, right? Like, no, I don't want to say nobody wants them anymore. The, the demand has cooled off considerably. I think being in Chicago, I'm always going to have a demand for Connor Bedard cards. Because I'm in Chicago, it's going to be like that everywhere with like McDavid and Crosby, especially when they're playing at their pay grade. But look, us hockey fans, when the next year's cards come out, it'll be business as usual for us. We'll just buy the next year's sets because that's what we collect. And eventually the people who will lose interest and drop out will lose interest and drop out. Yeah, but the real issue is that let's say Bedard wins the rookie of the year, right? Mm-hmm. And then those people drop out, but that card, if we don't pull it out of a box, will be so out of reach for us. People that stick around, they will never be able to get it, or we have to just get super lucky one day and say, okay, I'm going to pluck down $800. Or Because it's like a Crosby rookie or an Ovechkin rookie. They're out of reach or they're getting out of reach. This is where the three of us need to make like an American Pie style pack. Remember the movie American Pie? Yeah. Okay. So this is where, like, we all buy a bunch of Series 2, and I go, okay, I get the first Bedard rookie card that I pull, but if I pull a second one before I get greedy and sell it, I flip a coin, and it either goes to Tim or Clemente, though I'd probably have to give it to Tim because I've known him longer. We have to get a He'd case. remind me of that. We have to get a case between us, though. Right, and then, and then if I get a third yeah, one. Yeah, good because- luck with that one. Well, okay, yeah, good luck. But okay, so last year I actually pulled, or two years ago, I actually pulled like two or three Trevor Zegers rookie cards or two or three uh, Cole Caulfield, right? So I go in batches. I mean, there was a year I got 
three Malkin young guns. And then there was a year I got zero Connor McDavid young guns, right? We could take this off this conversation offline, as they say, but well, maybe that's what you need to, to do. You have to kind of think to yourself, think about it. If if the Bedard young gun at the end of the season is a thousand dollars, let's say, then I'll get yeah, a, I'll, it's gonna be a thousand dollars out of the box or more. But then I'll just buy an OPG Gretzky at a grade three, and I'll buy that card. Like if I have a thousand dollars, if I have a thousand dollars to burn. Which one would you buy? I mean, right, a legend or a guy that could break his leg next year and we'll never see him again? I mean, I talked about this last show. I didn't get a Austin Matthews young gun. I ended up buying a Howie Morenz card. Right. Because there's not a lot of 33, 34 OPGs floating around. Yeah, but those guys that we're talking about, Tim and I, those guys are like, Howie, who? Who cares? Like, right, oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah they're just worried about whatever. And so we're not worried about them. But what I'm worried is they set the price. It's like the real estate market. Yeah, you're they right. They set the prices, and then we have to live in that world. That's all. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right about it. And these guys, I'll just say it nicely. I had another term I was going to say, but I won't. Yeah, they're doing their little stock market shtick, and it's affecting the rest of us. Right. And the thing is, present company, we have a collector mindset. And I think a lot of our listeners also do, because why else would you listen to us? Because we're not out there giving you stock tips. It leads to like a, a bigger, I don't know what the right term is, a bigger can of worms, I guess. To the point that I was trying to make, how long is this Bedard effect going to roll over and stomp on everybody else? Because as Clemente says, at what point is enough enough on the price of this card? It's going to get to a thousand dollars. It's going to get to fifteen hundred, two thousand, three thousand, maybe, to the point where none of us are going to be able to. Not only we're not going to be able to get it, we're not going to want to get it because we're just going to be like, "This is dumb." Like I can get some of the greatest cards ever created, in whatever condition I want, rather than go out and buy this thing or try to find it at a decent price and decent at that point is going to be you know, $2,000. It takes not only the normal collector out of it, it takes the long-term collectors out that aren't in it for the, the cash value. Right. Like we're not even going to want to get it. How long have I been building or any of us building base sets of upper deck every year? Right. Am I going to build the base set of this? No. Absolutely not. Series two, I'll never finish. Not that I've ever finished any of them up to this point, but, you know, there's a chance. Like, I still feel like I can get the Crosby Young Gun one day. Only one I'm missing from all five. I still think I can get the McDavid Young Gun someday. One of, like, four I'm missing from that that set. But I've already resigned myself to the fact that if I don't buy any series two, so be it. Because, like you said, we should buy a case. Okay, good luck. I mean, when you have this past week, one of the big retailers in Canada canceling people's pre-orders because they underpaid. Uh, That's telling you something. Underpaid? Absolutely. They want to charge more for a box, right? Is that what of it? course, that's exactly what it well, is. Wait a minute. They'll spin it however they that's want. Paid. I mean, you got to. I mean, you that's not a legit business. If wait, I wait, which. Which which Boots and Chara. Really? 
Absolutely. Pluton Chara did that? Yeah, everybody that pre-ordered at 149 bucks has gotten emails saying, ah, yeah, sorry, we can't give it to you for that because we don't have any allocation available. So it went to first come, first serve, and you know, we don't have any more allocation for your order. When so. they get allocation, they're gonna charge 220 or whatever. Well, exactly. So we're canceling your order, we're refunding your 149 bucks, but we're gonna give you $50 store credit. And that and we think that's fair. So now when we do get allocation, which we're already going to get, but we're going to pretend like we're not going to get, now it's going to be double, maybe triple. Because that's what it is down here in the States. You can't pre-order Series 2 for less than 300 bucks. Also, the one thing we're not talking about is that to meet this demand, they will print the heck out of this thing. Yep. Yeah. And so this Bedard card or whatever is going to be, yeah, short printed compared to the, the you know the common cards base, but it's why so I keep lot. saying there's going to be nine hundred thousand of them. It's going to be the Ken Griffey Jr. card all over again, and that card's yep. still worth money graded today, right? It is, and so, you you need to look no further than pull the pop counts on the biggest card graders for the McDavid Young Gun. Look right. no further than that one to tell how many are out there, because think about it: the vast majority of people do not grade cards. And you'll still see tens of thousands of them. Which means how in, many are sitting in people's basements in a box, ungraded, another yeah. other hundreds of thousands potentially, right? They're in people's set builds, they're in people's right. collections, they're in people's binders, they're in top loaders. Sure. So it's like anybody that thinks that this is, and that's the other thing, why, why do we allow so much emphasis to be put on a base rookie card when there's serial numbered ones that have true scarcity that aren't worth even a scratch compared to what these young guns are worth. And that's a whole nother show I think we could talk about. You know, one thing I want to talk about real quick, maybe not real quick. Nothing Actually, we do is real quick. Right. So just, just want to make sure this doesn't end up being a three hour podcast. We're going for four. Yeah, sure. Go for four. Population count, 23-24 Upper Deck Series 1 had an insert called Population Count that had the card printed on kind of like a clear acetate, so it looked like it was in a graded card slab. But it was revealed that the ones that were called Population Count 1 or 1 of 1, that there's actually multiple copies of them. And Tim, you wanted to say something about that. As more people have talked and it's gone on and everything else, an upper deck came out and basically addressed the addressed the issue and basically said, hey, if you pull one of these, we'll buy it back. And we'll give you series one boxes. And depending on who you pull, you'll get whatever we deem an equivalent amount of boxes. And it's been... I don't know that they even have a general rule or not, but it's been anywhere from like six to 16 boxes of series one. Mm. So, of series one. Yeah. Yeah. Not so series two. No. Cause Come that on. would be, that'd be tempting. Come on. They'll give you one pack of series two and it's already been searched. Yeah. So the rumor, I don't know that they've confirmed this or not, but the general consensus of the rumor, quote unquote, has been that um, the population count 
ones, there's four of each one because there's four colors used in the print. Ah. And they printed four of them. They're not four different colors, like as in magenta, cyan, yellow, black. They have all the colors, but there's four of them because that was part of like the test run. And instead of three of the four getting pitched, they got packed out. Ah. So that's the theory. I don't know 100% because I could have sworn that I saw like seven different people pull a one Shesterkin. <laughs> but I it could have just been the same people reposting the same stuff. But if that's the case, okay, I buy that, that that might be it. But if there's four of them, you know, and, and again, depending on who you pull, you can get anywhere from, you pull a scrub guy, it's six, you'll get six boxes. You pull McDavid, you'll get 16 boxes. So mm. I, I don't know what their rule of that, rule of thumb is of that. But this happened with tops, right? Tops got caught printing too many one of ones. Also, that's a more recent thing. And then this thing pops up. The general hobby public doesn't really latch onto this because they're not hockey people, and half of social media doesn't realize that Upper Deck still makes cards. I never pulled one. I mean, the boxes that I opened did not have population count. In fact, I own one population count card, and I bought it as a single. It's a Crosby 500, which I have sitting here right, nice right on my desk. So It's a nice looking card. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're pretty cool. And they are acetate. So that's kind of cool. You can see through them and it's like a little mini, like a little mini picture with the number on it. So, but yeah, if you pull one of these, you have to decide whether or not you um, want to hang on to it and keep it or call up her deck and try to cash in on the bounty for more boxes. And then in the new boxes, maybe you'll pull another one and just start it over and you'll end up with 17 5,000 count boxes of series one commons. There was a set that launched last week. It launched and sold out. It was, it was announced yeah. launched and sold out like within a 24 hour or so span. So last week, Thursday, Upper Deck announced that it was going to be selling an EPAC exclusive set called UD Rookie Debut. And it was going to be an 18-card base set. And then there were going to be parallels. There were going to be some parallels using the 93-94 Star Rookies design from 93-94 Upper Deck. There were also going to be... Um, Blue parallels numbered to 249, red parallels numbered to 99, and black parallels numbered one to one. Like I said, 18 cards in the set, and yes, Connor Bedard is one of those cards, and then 17 other rookies whose names we've all forgotten about already because his name's not Connor or Bedard or Adam Fantilli or I guess Logan Cooley. Yeah, there's a lot of good rookies this year. My point. You know, Joseph Wool. Leo Carlson's in there. Logan Cooley's Mark, in there. Yeah, Mark Hughes, uh, Leo Carlson, right? Like Matt Nice. So I go, okay, they're telling us about it on Thursday. It's coming out on Friday. Way to promote it, Upper Deck. Kind of felt like thrown together. Like, hey, let's put out another set with Connor Bedard because, you know, we haven't made $10 million this week, right? So they launched the set on Friday at noon 
California time, so 2 p.m. Chicago time. So I go to look at it. I go, all right, yeah, maybe I'll buy a pack or two, right? Thinking these are going to be like, what, six, eight, maybe 10 bucks a pack. Not knowing how many cards are in the pack because they didn't tell us any of this information. And I look at it, and it's three cards for 20 bucks. Two base cards, one parallel. And I go, eh, I'm going to think about this for a while. I'm going to leave the tab open in my browser and do other stuff. I don't really know if I want to spend, you know, $20 on three cards. Now you might say, but Sal, you've bought game dated moment cards and those are six bucks a piece. And I go, yes, but you know exactly which card you're getting. And you might also get the parallel, like you might get the normal version and the silver parallel, but this is getting three random cards. So then I say, do you want to complete an 18-card set? Well, I would need to buy nine packs because you only get two base cards and then the third one's a parallel. And then I go, oh, this is getting expensive. I don't know if I want to do this, right? Yeah, of course I want the Connor Bedard card. And of course I want the one that looks like a 93-94 Upper Deck Star Rookies card because nostalgia. But I thought about it and he who hesitates has lost because when I looked at it a little later... It was gone, and then almost around the same time, Tim messages me, and he's like, hey, yeah, it sold out already, like two hours, so. I don't even think it was two hours, but it was about two hours, yeah. Okay. And plus, half the people that tried to get on, it was like the last time around. You couldn't get on. Like, EPAC kept giving errors. It wouldn't let you log in. Then when it finally would let you log in, you couldn't go to the store page. It was messed up. So that just tells you that a bajillion people went on there to try to pick these up and it's known that that many people were on it because just do a nice little search on ebay for 23 upper deck rookie debut and you'll see because even though these aren't physical cards yet and upper deck has said it's going to be like six to eight weeks before these are going to be physical they will be but not yet once they are people are already selling them so basically you buy these from somebody online, they're going to have to transfer it to your EPAC account. So you have to do like a fake paper trade from EPAC account to EPAC account. So, Wow, but, that's a trust yeah. fall if I ever heard one. Like, I'll pay you money and then you'll transfer to my my EPAC account, right? You know, like 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 I said, a trust fall. Yeah, but if you buy it on eBay, you have to, you have to still... Um... You know, conclude the sale, so you have to. You have to, yeah. You'll have to transact the sale, and then at the end of the sale, you'll have to share your EPAC account numbers, and somebody will have to initiate a trade somewhere, and off you go. And so, hopefully, it finishes. I'm looking on eBay now, and these the Bedard cards alone are going for ridiculous. Some of some numbers here. Some of them are going for so, like some of those uh, red parallels, four ninety nine. Five hundred dollars. Jesus. You know, the, the 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 rookie debut base one seventy nine, and then some ah. of them are, some of them are going for like a thousand dollars, and then there is, I guess, there's some autograph ones. One autograph one is going for seventy two hundred dollars. Or there's twenty five. So there's two autographs in here. Uh, twenty. There's... That's out of twenty five. It's going for seventy two hundred yeah. dollars. Is that two the autographs opening bid or is that the bid? That's that's the, that's the opening bid, and no one's bid on it. It looks like it's or yeah. best offer, yeah. and it's just sitting there. So there's two autos in the whole thing. There's Bedard numbered out of twenty five, and there's Fantilli numbered out of fifty. So 
like obviously they're all gone because they're sold out so they're all I out mean, there. for example somebody is selling the the red on 99 and says you must have epac to unredeem right. and they're selling it for 1349 that's yeah. 14 almost 1400 dollars yep. for one card and and this is not even so you're right you know you guys are right about the young guns card if this if these are going for this much and again guns when young guns hit these will cool off of course but, but just the base card alone is selling for 50 to 70 bucks. Just the base card from here. I see the, the base is 59.99. And it's bumping, card. it's pushing up the price of all the other ones too. Sure. Because who wants, okay, I shouldn't say who wants, but by comparison, you got Simon Edvinson from the Red Wings. His numbered out of 99 red card. If that was in any other product, what what's it going to be a few it's bucks i mean they're they're selling for between 35 and 40 dollars yeah yeah that's why i say the bedard bump is a real thing this would it's be pushing like the, the rest of this up if you try to buy this whole 18 card set it would be the most expensive 18 cards you ever bought together. absolutely <laughs> well yeah. gee maybe i should have bought those packs for 20 bucks a piece when i had the chance them. and you're gonna flip them then uh, you know or kept them or whatever you wanted you know that would cause know. you to have to log into EPAC and actually utilize it for trades. <laughs> no, but I mean, I just, listen, do I buy and sell cards? Yes, but I'm just kind of numb to this whole thing. For me, this is still very much a hobby. This is something I do for fun. If I have to start camping out on EPAC and using bots and doing this and doing that so that I could, I, I just don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want this to become Taylor Swift concert tickets. And this is becoming Taylor Swift concert tickets. And I don't want it to be Taylor Swift concert tickets. Well, if it makes you feel any better, you can buy a Kevin Korchinski base card for about $7. I'll so. pay $7 for that because Korchinski is going to be a stud for the Blackhawks. So, Let's end on a positive note, shall we? Let's talk about the Black Friday mm -hmm. stuff that we bought for ourselves. Because oh. I bought myself something nice that was on sale. It was one of those Black Friday sales. You know, isn't it funny how Black Friday starts like the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and it extends until about December 2nd? It starts the Wednesday before the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes, the pre-Black the pre Friday sale begins now. So I just sent you guys a picture of what I bought. I could talk about that in a minute. Did you guys buy anything you want to talk about during Black Friday? I'm not going first. So I'll go and I'll, I'll say this, that I buy from David Adams and other places. And I realize now that I should just wait to buy all my wax on Black Friday because there were some really good deals on wax. The thing is, when you're trying to collect base set or, or or open cards you want to open them when the rest of the world is doing it and so nobody wants to wait six months or a year to buy their wax but there were a lot of really good deals because these places have to kind of move inventory now having said that i didn't buy any wax i didn't buy anything on sale i just went on ebay and i've been coveting the mario lemieux box bottom card from uh his rookie year oh and, wow so the problem with that is at the expo both expos i went to they were graded and even in a low grade we're talking about like over a thousand dollars and that's like that's too rich for my blood but i got one on ebay for 325 dollars wow raw that is a beauty yeah you know i saw one at the expo and they wanted 500 for it it was graded yeah 
I might um, send this to PSA because I don't grade cards, but I'd like to get it slapped. And I think to keep it for myself, obviously, I'm not looking to flip it or anything. But. No, that would be a good one to get slapped. And just to give a little backstory for those who did not collect sports cards in the 80s, Tops would print box bottom cards. Opeachy also did this. And for hockey, it was from 85, 86. This, this one is Tops, by the way. Yeah, so yeah. Thompson Opeachy did it from 85, 86 to 90, 91. So the, the the box, it had 36 packs, or if it was an Opeachy box, it had 48 packs, but whatever. It had four cards printed on the bottom. A lot of times, those cards would have the wear because the face of the cards were touching the shelf. So, if, you know, shelfware, when you pull something. So a lot of times, there's like scrapes or, you know, the boxes get crushed or whatever. So it's hard to find those box bottom cards in good condition. And actually, true story, the first time I bought football cards, it was because I wanted the box bottom card. It was on an 85 Tops football box. There was Walter Payton was one of the box bottom cards. Joe Montana was also on that four card panel. And there were like maybe 20 packs or so in the box. So I took out like 16 of the packs and I took the four packs and I took it up to the counter at Walgreens and I said to the lady, I'm buying the last four packs of these football cards. Can I have the empty box? And she said, oh, sure, hon. And at 10 years old, that's how I fell into a life of crime by not buying all the packs in the box, just buying four of them. But I really wanted that Walter Payton box bottom card. And of course I cut it out with scissors. So it's terrible. I still have it though. It fits like a card saver one because I kind of cut it all janky or whatever. But yeah, so Clemente, that, a Mario Lemieux box bottom card. Oh, yeah. From his rookie year. Yeah. The rookie year. His, yeah. His... yeah, so then I got into like a, you know how this is. Then you get into like a, I got into a box bottom craze. I was like, wait a minute. What else is there? These Because bo- the truth is some of these boxes are different configurations. And so I'm like, oh, has Gretzky ever been in a box bottom card? And so I didn't know the answer to that. Yep. And I found the answer. The answer is yes. The push pin year, there is a Wayne Gretzky card that I bought raw, and he's in an Oilers jersey, not in a Kings jersey, which makes me think that's the original card before he was going to get traded, maybe. Could be. Could be could the be. photo that they were going to use. So then I got that on eBay for $34 raw, and I thought, well, that's a good deal. And so that hasn't come in the mail yet, but that's what I ordered. That was my gift to myself on Black Friday. So just to reiterate, or just to to explain to fans and listeners, what they would do for a while is they'd either do award winners or they would do um, playoff scoring leaders. You know, when you had 16 teams make the playoffs, so then by the late 80s, they would do the 16 leading scorers. And then I want to say in the early 90s, then it was like stat leaders, because I know Patrick Watt is on one of the box bottoms, and obviously he wasn't a scoring leader because he didn't score any goalie goals, as we've mentioned, but, you know, he was a like a leading goaltender. So, yeah, those are yeah. sweet. But I have to wonder that having a, a rookie like Lemieux on, on a box bottom was pretty rare, I would think, then. Well, I mean, because he had such a good rookie season. Yeah. Well, what does the back of the card say? Back That'll clue the- you in on why he, he's on that. Well, it looks like he's got like a year's worth of stats back here. Does it say like rookie scoring leaders? Does it say playoff scoring leaders? No, no it doesn't. Huh. This is Mario Lemieux in the back. Like it's like oh. a base card almost looks They like. might have just picked 16 random players. I don't know what the connection is. I know by the late yeah. 80s, 
it was playoff scoring leaders, and then in the early '90s, it was stat leaders. So yeah, no, and the Gretzky card definitely is is a scoring leader card for sure. I can't compete with either of you, so mine pales in comparison to. So go for it then. We said we wanted I, to end on a high note, so I mean, go next. now I feel inferior. <laughs> I'm sad. Oh sad. no! I'm saddened by. The fact that Clemeni has one of my white whales. But that's okay. I mean, it's the cool. crazy thing is this card is one of the any of those Bedard cards we just talked about. So Right, it is. And it's way cooler. Yeah. Man, I'm jealous. Anyway, yeah, I didn't go out there and and try to clear boxes off shelves in retail stores, nor did I participate in any of the deals for wax on any of the online retailers instead i bought probably around 200 or so singles off comc well they had their black friday sale right well i mean they have a sale available for the sellers and certain sellers take advantage of it some do some don't whatever but i took advantage of that picked up a lot of singles off my checklist to the tune of about 200 of them or so. Uh, various years, various brands, but all Penguin cards. So I will be knocking out a chunk of my want list when those decide to arrive. Is that a ritual every every Black Friday for you, though, or no? That's Generally deal. speaking, it is, but I also do that throughout the year, so it's like nothing really. But they like, do have sales during Black Friday. A lot of dealers mark down their cards. Right, That's, the dealers do. When I was when I was building Upper Deck Compendium 2016-17 Compendium, I'd always wait for the Black Friday sales and the spring cleaning sales because then I'd get the cards at like 27 cents each. And then even like the $10 cards would be like 8 or $7. So, I mean, I did buy one card on ComC for their Black Friday sale. It was a card that I needed. It was Connor Bedard. Okay, I'll admit it. Um, but I didn't have it, so I, I technically did need it. <laughs> but yeah, but, you'll be happy to know that uh, almost none of my purchases, and I can send you the screenshots. The vast majority of what I picked up, unless it was something extremely weird that I just was like, "Screw it, I need it." Uh, you will find none of my choices. To be over a dollar. So also, also, were they not from this century? Were they from the twentieth century? Um, a lot of them were, yeah, because you know, as those savvy collectors know, if Upper Deck ever puts an item on EPAC, well, just wait it out about four or five months, and guess mm-hmm. what? You'll have all the cards you wanted that cost twenty dollars a pack for twenty eight cents. But those rookie debuts will not be that cheap, though. Um, they'll be cheap, Kevin, but not, Ke- not that cheap. Kevin Korchinski might. He might be five dollars <laughs> or four dollars. Uh, he's already five. He might be two. Okay. He might be two. Um, everybody, everyone wants to beat the price. It's like but, the, the bottom. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Because, like, for instance, just I'll throw this one out. For instance, twenty-one, twenty-two allure, right? Allure has all of the color variants. So, you know, black rainbow, like the sunrise ones. When those mm-hmm. first came out, the Sunrise ones were like three or four bucks a piece. I got the Gensel 
the Crosby, and the Jari for a grand total of a dollar twenty-eight. Nice. So there you go. No, um, and, you know, and also uh, Com C was doing some sort of a sale where, like, for like every hundred you spent, they'd give you five dollars credit. They'd give you a free shipping credit. So I mean, there were like a lot of incentives to buy on Com C. I honestly just forgot about it on Black Friday because I was too busy watching hockey and just like doing other stuff. The sale might have extended to like Monday and I just forgot. I usually am on top of it, but this time I just wasn't. Nice thing is I have my laptop. So as we were sitting there watching various things on TV, I sat there with my laptop and I have my split screen with my uh, lists on this side and ComC on this side. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to pull up my list of Parkhurst. And so my list of Parkhurst cards, it's all the Penguin cards ever made by Parkhurst, regardless of who owned Parkhurst at the time. They're just all uh-huh. on the list. And I'll pull that list up and I'll pull up all the Penguin cards and I'll sort them by Parkhurst and I'll just go through and see if there's any I need and what the deal is on them. And I'll just pick them up as I'm doing other things, watching TV or whatever. So, yeah, so I ended up with about 200 or so off my list, so it's pretty good. I'm happy with that. I didn't waste money on wax that I don't want or stuff that I don't need. It's um, it's all things that are uh, that are good. Plus, I got all my Christmas shopping done for everybody else. That's great. Like you said, collect what you like, and we we all need like a you know, just bunches of those like cards to fill sets, to fill player collections, fill team sets and whatnot. Now, I kind of had my Black Friday during uh, the expo. I bought a lot of stuff. And then at the uh, Chicago Sports Spectacular, like I said, I bought myself a couple of cards that I wanted, including that Nathan McKinnon card I got from that tight-fisted cheapo who wouldn't let it go for any less until I threw in a Jake Gensel canvas young gun and then he finally cracked and relented. Oh, wait, we're talking about you, Tim. If I recall, that was a handsome guy, too. Uh, you're talking about McKinnon, right? He's <laughs> all right. Sure. He's got the hockey hair. But you know what? I saw one of those Black Friday deals pop up that was too good to pass up. And I thought about this because I try not to make impulse buys, especially for the kinds of things that I don't normally buy. But Upper Deck Authenticated, which is their line of autographed merchandise and memorabilia, and we've seen those like Upper Deck, those monumental boxes. Oh, at the Expo, they had hockey-only monumental boxes, and Clement and I were both like, well, yeah, hockey-only, 1,050, all in, as they say, meaning all taxes included. So, like, how much? They're like 1,050, but that's all in. I'm like, all in what? They're, no, no, that's all the taxes are in. I'm like, why can't it just be 1,000? Why does it have to be one? And they'd be like, but that's 1,050 all in. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but it should just be 1,000. I mean, come on, man. And then what did Clemente? You're like, yeah, but, you know, you could get something that you really want, but you could probably get, like, you know, a pair of game-used socks that are <laughs> autographed or whatever. Right. Yeah. Just, so I've always been a little like, I, I don't like blind boxed stuff like that, but this particular thing on the upper deck authenticated or on their shop, but their UDA line, it was a stretched canvas photo of Grant Fuhr, 24 inches wide by 20 tall, signed in silver Sharpie marker, 
big, big silver Sharpie autograph, numbered out of 20, includes a certificate of authenticity for, you know, the, the autograph. It was 100 bucks. That's really good. 100 bucks free shipping, tax in Illinois sucks, so it was like 10 bucks tax. So like 110 bucks, I got a stretched photo. I mean, it looks cool. It looks like a painting, but it's a photo. It's got a big autograph on it. The nice likeness of well, likeness. It's a photo. It's not even a painting. I, I call it a painting because it's on canvas, kind of like the UD canvas cards. So it kind of has that texture to it because it's like an actual literal canvas. But I looked at a spot on my wall and I said, well, if I move this picture over here, then I could fit this Grant Fear right here. And I thought about it and I said, 100 bucks for an autograph of one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. One of the greatest of the 80s, top three in the 80s, top two in the 80s. You have Wah and Fear. Just think of like all time greats. Grant Fear is up there. If you so, needed to win seven to six, he was your guy. Yeah. Well, when I asked him about that, he just said, you know what? I didn't worry about the six goals that I allowed. I just worried about not allowing the next one. And That's I right. thought that was very zen. You know, he says, you know, I knew my team was going to score, but I can't worry about what already went in. I just got to focus on not letting in any more. He's that got was, the hardware to prove it. So that was my Black Friday purchase, which I actually bought on the whatever Wednesday it wasn't actually on the Friday it was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving because it was limited to 20 the normal price was 300 and it was marked down to 100 but then they had one other one that was 300 marked down to 100 and it's this guy named Ely Tolvanen I guess he's on the Kraken now but he was a predator Ellie Tolvanen Ellie Tolvanen okay so Ellie Tolvanen so I'm like wait a minute Ellie Tolvanen's 100 bucks and Grant Fear's a hundred bucks. <laughs> if Grant Fear's a hundred bucks on a Black Friday sale, then Ellie Tolvanen should be like twenty bucks. Yeah, no, I agree. It must be a lot of inventory. Who knows? Twenty-five pieces. The Fear was twenty pieces, and the Tolvanen was twenty-five pieces. And then they had like a Cody Glass signed mini helmet, and you can probably figure out my opinion of signed mini helmets. So. I got this Grant Fear picture and I'm psyched about it and I put it on my wall and it looks awesome. Just keep it out of the sun. That's it. Well, it's not in direct sunlight, but is that the kind of thing I get a frame for? Like with UV glass? If you got glass? a frame for it with glass over it, I would, I, I would consider that. Yeah, maybe. That might not I mean, be a bad I mean, thing. You might end up paying more for the frame than you did for the whole thing, but. But that's usually how it is, though. I mean, oh, yeah. that Gretzky autograph that I won way back in, like, 2013 or 2015, well, I won it, so it was free. But the frame cost me, like, almost 300 <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you know what? If you're going to frame a giant Wayne Gretzky, it looks like a giant hockey card, like a 9091 upper deck card, but he's an oiler, and it's autographed. And I figured, well, this didn't cost me anything. I'm going to go all out on the mat. I'm going to get the triple mat and the UV glass and all the all the things. So whatever. That, yeah, that makes my grant for your auto like pale in comparison. Mine's a ninety-eight, ninety-nine Be a player that I think I paid eight bucks for. <laughs> yeah, but see, mine won't fit in a nine-pocket page. Yours will. That's a much cooler piece. Like I said. You know, Tim, you went after a bunch of things that you needed. Clemente, you went after something you were eyeing for a while. And me, I just, something just kind of happened into my inbox. 
you know, because when I do the newsletter every week, I always round up what's going on with like sales and promotions and stuff like that. And I saw that I go, I should probably get one of these for myself, because if I don't, I'll be sad. Makes sense to me. All right, gents, any last thoughts before we wrap this one up? Learn your hockey history, people. That's all I can say. Good advice. And there's a whole world of hockey before the year 2020. Yes. Do whatever you want content-wise. That's fine. Find your niche. We'll learn your history. I love it. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed the show, please be sure to like and subscribe. Please subscribe to the Puck Junk email newsletter at puckjunk.com slash newsletter. And until next time, collect what you like. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.